hello and welcome to episode two of our KC3 podcast. Um, we're glad that you are joining us and listening in wherever you're at. Um, we have still got Pastor John with us, our founding pastor, um, as we're coming up on our 17th year anniversary and celebrating our Intensify celebration. Um, we got him together. You were with us in episode one. You heard us asking him some questions about KC3 and how KC3 started, um, but we've got a few more questions for him today, um, a little bit more deeper in detail, and uh, and so we're going to let him just get right in and uh, and get started with us. So um, a lot of people, Pastor John, um, we've got a lot of new people with us and a lot of um, people who haven't been with us since the beginning, um, but we do something a little bit unique, a little bit different than other churches. And uh, well, number one, we have service on Wednesday nights um, for all ages. We've got kids' classes and toddler areas and man church and wild ladies and youth services and different things. But we start at a odd time, um, and we start at seven eleven on Wednesday nights. And so, can you give us a little background on why we start at seven eleven? Well, the initial thought some someone shared with me recently was that you know we're like Seven Eleven, we're open all the time, and uh, <laughs> that's close really to not, it. Yeah, that's close <laughs> to it. That's really not the answer. But uh, when you operate a ministry, you have to do everything with kingdom principles in the forefront of every decision made, every every type of ministry you try to reach into. Many times, churches outrun themselves and they get leaning over uh, front heavy because they're trying to do too much at. Uh, same time or at the wrong time. Uh-huh. Well, there's in, in Scripture, I wanted to read the verse, Second Samuel 7, uh, verse 10 and 11. I'm just going to read the last part of verse 11. But it says at the end of verse 11, if you read Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 10 and 11, you'll see that it says, Also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee in house. If God has given you a command to do something, God's going to back it up. He's not a promise maker and a promise taker. God is a promise keeper. Absolutely. And and He made a and He made a covenant with me uh, to to start, build, and sustain. This is a lifetime commitment for me, and not not something I can just say. Well, I'm done. That's, that's not the way that works. And so if it's a lifetime commitment for me, I know it's an co- eternal covenant with God. Amen. And he said, I'm going to make thee in-house. And he took me to that scripture, and I thought, what better way to catch uh, the momentum of that scripture with our Wednesday night services starting at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Reason number two is I've always worked a full-time job and traveled exclu- ex- extensively. I was going to say exclusively. That's not true, but extensively. <laughs> And uh, in those travels, many times that extra 11 minutes allowed me the opportunity to get here from DFW Airport and not be late for church. Because when we began in our facilities in Crandall, we had three evangelistic services a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I preached all three. And uh, I would travel out of town uh, Monday and or a lot of times Sunday night after the Sunday night service and I would fly back in, and many times I would land at 6 or 6.15 at DFW. I've still got to get to my car and get to the church. Fortunately, the Lord blessed me with automobiles that had the capacity to drive rapidly, <laughs> and I was able to get to the church by 7.11. So thank God. When we moved to Kaufman, that extra 11 or 12 minutes, uh, 7.11 made a big deal. But and, and I say that jokingly because the emphasis is God established uh, – KC3, 
man did not. God established KC3. Not enough, uh, not enough devils in hell knocks off our foundation. And 7-Eleven, he said in 2 Samuel 7-Eleven, I will make you a house. So we're just going to keep standing on that promise. Amen. So you said something that kind of just, you know, when you said it, it spoke to me. You know, you said this is a, a lifetime commitment for you. Um, you know, I, I can say um, now as the senior pastor, um, you know, that's something that I hold um, dear to my heart because um, there's not a lot of senior pastors that are sitting or standing in pulpits now today that have, you know, a founding pastor to to show them the ropes, to kind of be there as a, as a helpmate. And so um, that's something that I believe um, – here at KC3, we're blessed with is that, um, you know, not only do we have a senior pastor, but we have a founding pastor um, to, uh, for lack of better words, hold the senior pastor in line, if you will. Um, so I appreciate that. And I know there's probably a lot of other people in our congregation who, who do as well. So thank you for that. I'm glad the word tells us that iron sharpens iron and uh, it just makes us better to feed off each other and to work you know, not only work with each other, but work on each other. Absolutely. And that's a promise from the Word of God and a kingdom principle we can stand on. Amen. All right, so if you've been in KC3 um, and if you are listening to us and you've never stepped foot in the doors of KC3, I, I challenge you to watch us online or to come and and uh, and visit us, and you will see some guys um, – that are wearing some red jackets. So um, let's talk about those guys for just a second, Pastor John, if you will. I know um, that's something that you hold um, dear to your heart, and I hold to mine as well. Um, but we call these guys the red coats. And so uh, let's talk just for a little bit about um, our red coat ministry. Red coat ministry was something God provided to me in 1992. Oh, wow. The church, you know, he burst into my heart in 1998, but this vision of the Red Coast was in 1992. I was in San Diego, California at a pastor. If I said his name, most people would know it. I was at his church on a Tuesday night, and the, where the church was located was, let's say, less than favorable area. It was a very okay. challenging area. And there were people there coming in, and there were young men and young women and mature men and mature women uh, greeting people at the door, and they had on gold jackets. And most of those gold jackets were 44 longs, <laughs> and most of those people wore 38 shorts. But they had them on with great pride, and they had a name badge on there that said Greeter. Okay. And there was one guy that came up to me. He was about five foot tall. He had long hair, dreadlock, long hair. And he was maybe five foot tall. I could rest my chin on his head after I bent over. I mean, he was not <laughs> a very big man. But inside, he was a giant. And with tears, they were just flowing down his cheeks. He said, let me be the first to welcome you to church. Wow. Wow. You know, how powerful was that moment? And I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I am there for service, man. I'm, I'm excited for service. That was the only thing I remember from that night. And so later, as the Lord began to deal with me about Coffin County Christian Center, I had a vision of mighty men. And I was reading in the Word of God. I love to read about David. David was a, uh, he was a mess, but he had a message. Uh, he was weak at times, but he was the strongest at times. Uh, he's a lot like a lot of us, you know. 
Sure. And he had some men with him uh, that were called mighty men. And those mighty men never left David. They stood right by his side. And they wore certain attire to identify them. Uh, there's a story of one of Saul's descendants who threw rocks and, and uh, dust and screamed and cursed at David. And one of his mighty men said, we'll take care of this. Don't worry about it, king. And at the same time, his son Absalom had uh, you know, tried to replace him on the throne of Israel. And David was walking, and he looked at his mighty man, and he said, no, let him alone. God means this for his purposes. And who knows, this will turn out for the good if God lets this man challenge us in this way to make it modern English. Right. And uh, that, to me, was that astounded me, that those men who were more than capable of taking care of this guy who was mad and upset and Angry, he was one of Saul's descendants, and Shimei was his name, or Shimei, it depends on your level of, you know, Hebrew ability. <laughs> but he, uh, they stood down when David said, stand down. That was remarkable. They stood up when Goliath's family came and said, we're going to kill David, after David had killed Goliath. Wow. One young man stepped in front of David and said, no. The light of Israel shall not go out today. So he killed one of Goliath's descendants. There were four more. Remember, David got five stones out of the brook because there was Goliath and four of his relatives. And David's mighty men took care of the other four. And so when God challenged me to open the church, we need people to love on our, our folks. We needed mighty men who were able to protect our folks and to be the first hand of fellowship to somebody that walked in the door. We had a wonderful man, Brother Mike, has taken that role, and he has embraced it. He sees the vision that I see. I've preached in different places and traveled around and preached, and Brother Mike has gone with me. I don't have the right to use his last name. We didn't ask for it, but everybody knows who Brother Mike is. And he's gone with me the whole time I preached, the entire time I was in pulpits. And if any of you know me, sometimes that's a long time. <laughs> If I was in the altar praying for the sick, he was standing by my side. Never left me. It's the most important thing to a pastor to know that you have people that will stand between you and the enemy, that will stand down when you ask them, stand up when you need them, and take care of the flock that follows. And that's what the Redcoat Ministry means to me. And it is... uh, to me, one of the most powerful things that we can do in our church is to let people know they're safe, they're loved, and they're welcomed. And that's what the Red Coat Ministry does for me personally. Absolutely. You know, I think, too, you know, you kind of mentioned it. A lot of people think that, um, you know, ministry only happens from the singing or from the pulpit. You know, whatever the pastor preaches, that's the that's the ministry moment. That's where I receive. But um, a lot of times it is, and, you know, I know you've had it and, and I've had it several times, you know, here lately is um, people say the one thing that they remember the most about our church is how um, welcoming people are. So, you know, and one one of the other things, too, is, you know, it's it's – something that we don't like to talk about, but nowadays you see stories on the news all the time of pulpits being attacked. Um, You know, I mean, 
Scripture tells us the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, if that means taking out pastors, that's what happens a lot of times. So having that that sense of security and people who are, um, you know, watching over us and watching over our people um, definitely means a lot. So I um, appreciate the Redcoats and what they do and um, myself being a Redcoat. You know, I, I began um, – in our church a long time ago and worked my way um, through different ministries and taught kids ministry and then uh, and became a red coat and I can say it's probably other than being um, the senior pastor one of the probably most proudest moments of my life because um, you know it's just about serving and so um, servanthood absolutely so let's let's talk real quick about the vision of KC three so um, there are three words um, they're actually on the outside of my of my door to my office, um, but it's restoration, renewal, and rebirth. So um, if you don't mind, just kind of talk us through those three statements or those three key words, I guess, um, in regards to the vision of KC3. Well, renewal, restoration, rebirth was, uh, that that occurred, uh, that vision occurred uh, in between that March 1st and April 15th launch that God birthed into me. Uh, probably the second sermon I preached because the first sermon was just me and a pair of dirty pants, T-shirt, and a guitar. Um, but really the first message I preached was, was about our foundational tenets of renewal, restoration, rebirth. And uh, that renewal is a kingdom principle that only God can bring to pass in our life. You know, uh, renewal means something that was of no value, dead or lost, has been... Uh, brought back, replaced, or restored. I mean, it, renewal is incredibly important. And David said in Psalm 51.10, to create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And Isaiah, Isaiah wrote, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. strength. Absolutely. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One of the important things about Renewal is turning. And Lamentations, Jeremiah wrote this in the 5th chapter, 21st verse, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. God took me to those scriptures, and I didn't hear a voice from heaven. Limousine full of angels didn't pull up and take me on a ride and show it to me on a video. (laughs) But these were the scriptures that God birthed into my heart about renewal because we have... We, we're quick to discard. We're quick to discard. If your TV goes out, there used to be TV repairmen. Now you just throw it away and go buy another one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if your car breaks down, you know, you just go lease another one. Uh, people, we're, we're a throwaway society. Uh, churches have become throwaway. We're the only army that buries our wounded. And renewal is so incredibly important. Uh, here's what Hebrews, I, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Many scholars will disagree with me. But in verse 6 of chapter 6, he said this, If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified of themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So it becomes incredibly difficult for people to be renewed uh, in their hearts to God. The second thing is restoration. Uh, Restoration is another kingdom principle from the Word of God. I'll share that from Psalm 80 verse 3 because it's that turn us. Restoration is a turning point. If you have Siri guiding you or you're listening to some kind of guidance system, it's giving you the turns. It's telling you to take this road, take that road, and if you miss that road, it's recalculating. Well, in Psalms 80 verse 3, it says, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Restoration becomes that turning point. 
you can read from Psalm 80 to 85 and see the importance of rest- restoration. And, and, and again, reading about David, I, I love the story of David, and I'm getting excited because these are exciting things to me. <laughs> but David, he took pity. and Some people say pity, but it was not pity. He, uh, and I've heard that, and I, I get offended when I hear that. He didn't take pity on Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul who was injured and became paralyzed when he was trying to escape David when Saul fell and Jonathan died. Wow. David loved Jonathan, and Absolutely. he loved Saul. And he had plenty of opportunity to take Saul away, but he didn't. He said, I'm not going to touch God's anointing. So David honored God. He blessed other people. That's the way we should live our life, honoring God, blessing other people. But he said to Mephibosheth in the second, second Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, he said, Don't be afraid or fear not, for I will surely, uh, surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Wow. Now, this was a lame boy who couldn't be a warrior. He couldn't, be a, 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 he couldn't work in their fields. He couldn't develop anything. He was lame. But yet David said, I'm going to show you restoration and what restoration looks like because God restored me. And didn't he write in the 23rd Psalm, Thy restoreth my soul. soul. Absolutely. And so that's what David believed in. The judges, kings, and prophets, they believed it. Uh, going back to Psalm 51 in the 12th verse, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold, uphold me with thy free spirit. So renewal and restoration are distinct things. They're kingdom principles. But if we don't allow the Holy Ghost to impart to us the power of renewal, people, Christians, believers, people who aren't believers, cannot break away from those things that hold them. And then once they're re- experience the wonderful power of the Holy Ghost to renew us, the power of restoration becomes putting us back in right relationship. That's what the power of restoration is, which absolutely is founded in rebirth. So renewal, restoration, and it's because of rebirth. And that's a kingdom principle where Jesus died for everybody. We know what John 3.16 says, but John 3.17 says, for he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Absolutely. And then we're born, 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. I'll just read these verses. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency or our ability, our talents, our gifts, our salvation, our rebirth is of God, who also made us able to uh, able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life." So this is important. Rebirth is not because of works. In Titus, third chapter, you can read that we are justified by grace, that we should be made heirs, verse 7, made heirs according to the hope of new life. Now, we know John chapter 3 talks about rebirth from verse 1 all the way through. But John 3, 3, Jesus said, Verily, verily, or surely, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So renewal and restoration and rebirth were our three foundational tenets that God birthed into my heart, challenged me to stick to it. A lot of people have asked me, you know, hey, we're old-fashioned, we're this, we're that over the 17 years, but we're not changing. No. You know, God birthed it, God planted it, we're going to operate in these principles, and these that's what holds up KC3 Yeah, is foundational tenets. And if you're not true to your foundation – how in the world are you going to build anything that's going to stand? And uh, so these things are important. 
they burst into my heart. I know I'm very passionate about them. Maybe I'm speaking too passionately on a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> well, but, I mean, I think what you know. I mean, the the point to get across. I mean, it doesn't matter. I don't think you know. Ten years ago, fifteen years ago, fifty years ago. I think even ten years from now, twenty years from now. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is I mean, lost people need to be saved. And so, you know, they need to be renewed, they need to be restored, and then they need to be born again. Right. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it doesn't, um, I, I think we can, we can take hold of that and we can, we can stand on that. And like you said, um, and kind of like what we talked about earlier, you know, having a, a founding pastor to, to keep the senior pastor in line. Um, there's a lot of things that you and I may have a, a difference of opinions on. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, um, we can definitely agree, um, to agree on restoration, renewal, and rebirth. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's something that is definitely, um, like you said, the strong foundational um, kingdom principles. And so, um, you know, it's just something we, we need to live by. Yeah, we, we need to live by it personally. Absolutely. We, we need to live by it as a ministry. And we need to, uh, we need to um, uh, encourage people in their lives. Let's don't throw away people. Let's restore people. Absolutely. I preached... I've preached probably five funerals in the last three months of people that were thrown away because of their lifestyle or because of their choices or whatever. Renewal, restoration would have made all the difference in their life because they would have been renewed and they would have been experiencing the rebirth that only comes through Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And uh, so people matter. Every people matter. Every yes. person matters. Every kind of people matters. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that ministry growing in the hearts of our people. Absolutely. So, you know, as a church, we have a vision um, of where we're going and kind of the, those foundational principles we stand on. But um, there's there's three phrases um, that you've kind of been been coined by that we could consider maybe our motto for KC3. Um, and that's think bigger, go further, do more. Um, kind of expound on that for us a little bit. Let's just kind of talk about that, um, the idea of thinking bigger, going farther, and doing more. Well, I, I, I appreciate you asking that. The mission statement of KC3 is that, thinking bigger, going farther, and doing more. And it's easy to think small. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be average. It's easy to do what everybody else is doing. But when you think bigger, you think, I can do that. And if in the kingdom of God, the Lord said that he could cast mountains into the sea, and we uh, sometimes forget to ask him, can you help me just make it through the day? All right. And, and so thinking bigger changes our perspective. Many of us live in small towns. Hmm. Uh, folks that come to our church, many of them live all over the area. Uh, the wonderful people I've got to know in ministry, they live in small towns, and they get a small-town mentality that this is the way the world is, like our small town. The world is not. It's full of seven and a half, soon eight billion people. Wow. And out of eight billion people, you got to think big. Mm. That's a lot of folks. When we have events at the church, I always think bigger than what is going to be here as far as the number of people. Because if you think like a big church, you act like a big church, you do things big churches do, pretty soon you're a big church. Um, so thinking bigger is a kingdom principle. David, you know, he thought he was bigger than Goliath. I mean, I've, I've mentioned David, referenced David many times. But when he looked at Goliath, he didn't see a giant. Right. He saw how big his God was. And so when we think bigger, we think, my God's bigger than this. This problem isn't so great. Going farther. Go farther than people say you should. Absolutely. You know, do, be a servant beyond you know, our reasonable service. 
Word of God talks about our reasonable service. Going further than our reasonable service is going the extra mile. Jesus said, if a man asks you for your coat, give him your cloak also. Uh, and so as we, as Christians, mature, we need to learn how to go further. We need to learn how to do more. Fill in the gap. Stand on the wall. Ezekiel said, we need somebody on the wall. Uh, we need somebody to make up the hedge and stand on the wall. And, and that's what the Lord has asked believers to do is to think bigger. If you think bigger, you will go further. That's just this natural process right. of it. And then when you think bigger and you go farther, the next thing is doing more. If you see a need, fill it. Don't be asked. If you see a need, fill it. And that's what kingdom principles are. God inspires people to fill the gap, to do more, to think bigger, to go farther, to do more, to give more, to share more, uh, to love more. That's what God asks us to do. And it's the mission statement of the church to support our foundational tenets of renewal, restoration, and rebirth. And if we stop thinking bigger, pretty soon we're only thinking on what we can't do. That's right. But if we think bigger, we can think about things that we can get heavenly perspective and have godly perspective and godly dreams. I don't remember anybody telling me to stop dreaming when I grew up. Right. When I was a little boy, I wanted to be an astronaut. I'm getting pretty old, so my time's <laughs> running out. May have to touch the moon on the rapture. I don't know. Hey. But I, I wanted to be an astronaut. And so I dress. They tell you to dress the way you want to dress for the, the to have the success in careers you want. So my first job, I showed up in an astronaut suit, and I got fired. And so I learned that maybe you need to be a little more tempered in your progress of that. But I always thought bigger. I thought, you know, why? Uh, I grew up very poor, and I thought after I read the Word of God, I, I thought I was supposed to be poor. And then I read the Word of God, and the Word of God says you don't have to be poor. You can have your needs met. You can meet the needs in other people's lives. You can be a blessing to the kingdom. And I read that and I started thinking, well, why can't I do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I began to think bigger. And when I started thinking bigger, I started going farther. And when I started going farther, I started doing more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I pray that people receive that in the love that it's given because that's, uh, that's the mission of KC3. That's the mission for our communities, for our families, and for our churches that we serve with. We want them to be successful and, and, and thinking bigger, going farther and doing more. Uh, in their congregations and in their families. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, we could probably have, um, you know, a, a separate whole 30-minute episode on just this next question I'm, I'm going to ask you. But um, thinking over the last 17 years, um, there's been a lot of times that you've thought bigger, you've gone farther, and you've done more um, than a lot of other people would have in those moments. But if you could... Um, just pick a couple of your probably favorite memories. I know we don't, it's kind of like having a favorite child and we don't say that we have one. Um, but most of the time we do. Um, what would be some of your favorite memories of KC three that you can kind of reflect back on? Well, I think that when the first year we started, we were in a very small, <laughs> small building. Yeah, I'm trying to say it without laughing, but it was very confined. But we had a thousand watts of sound in there <laughs> with a 500 watt sub. We were going to sing it loud, man, and uh, the windows would rattle. I'm, God's mercy didn't keep our windows from cracking, but we had a wonderful man in our church that's been with us since day one who ran our sound, and 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 uh, he never gave up on us. But there was a little boy in the church that has grown into a man now. And uh, he was uh, getting out. You had to share seats. So when he came to sanctuary, the men would get up and let the ladies sit down. The men would stand. We'd open the doors. The men stand outside, summer, winter, whatever. They'd stand in the back because we had plenty of sound. If you were in Crandall, you could hear us. 
<laughs> and this little boy got out of his seat, and I said, hey, boy, you better sit down. Just trying to be, you know, play with him. During his sermon, it didn't bother me. And he broke, man. He <laughs> fell apart. And if I said his name, everybody know who he is. But he absolutely fell apart. And so I just went down and got him, picked him up and hugged him and kissed him and told him, said, man, I'm sorry. I had no intention of hurting your feeling. And, I mean, he was grievously vexed by my – uh, uh, my attention toward him. And uh, I hugged him, and I said, I am so sorry. I said, you want to come up here with me? And he said, yeah. And so he came up on what we call a stage, which is only about three and a half high, inches higher than the floor. And he stayed with me for a little while, and I carried him back to his mama. And uh, she was smiling the whole time. She should have been mad at me, but she was not. <laughs> she was so kind to me. But I remember that distinctly. The look on that little boy's face just broke my heart. And I should have never – and I was just picking at him. But And then the second memory there – to me, was here at KC3 when we moved to Kaufman. Um, I was preaching at the nursing home, and a man came to me. His name was Jim. He was 98 years old, and he said, Pastor, I've got to get baptized. He wow. said, I don't have long, and i got to get baptized. And I said, well, brother, do you know the Lord? And he said, I accepted the Lord here in your service, Oh wow. and i got to get baptized. So he was, he was wheelchair-bound. He was unable to stand on his own. He was unable to do most things on his own. And the folks at the nursing home were so kind. They brought him over in one of their transit buses. We unloaded him. We filled the baptistry up. After a Sunday service, we sang a song, and some of our men here carried him up, uh, put him in the baptistry, stayed in there with him. I baptized him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, as the Word of God has told us. Absolutely. And we carried him back out, and I gave him his baptism certificate and took a picture with him, and he said that was the happiest day of his life. Ninety. He came to know the Lord at 98 years old. Preacher, i got to be baptized. And so we brought him here. We baptized him. And um, he, he went on to be with the Lord uh, two weeks later. Wow. So we were right on time, I guess, right in the right place. We were, just, we were just there, and God was able to bless. And so from a 12- or 13-month-old child to a 98-year-old man, that's what KC3 is all about. Absolutely. I think a lot of times too. I think what we, uh, you know, I think that's a testament to Jesus and to salvation. And you know, you don't have to be six to be saved. You don't have to be sixteen. You know, even if you're listening to us right now and you're in your, you know, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, it's it's never too late for the Lord. And so, um, I, I love those memories. And I hope that um, you know, it's my prayer as senior pastor that I um, get to make some of those memories and that the Lord um, allows me to see um, some of those things as well. So um, I wanted to end this episode. I thought, what better way, um, you know, coming to celebrate 17 years of of ministry and uh, having you here with us. Um, So those of you who are listening to us, Pastor John is known for his sayings. Um, we could be here all day talking about the sayings that he has, but I did a little recon work and, uh, I found the five best pastor John sayings. And so we're going to wrap this episode up, um, with those five best pastor John sayings. And if, if you have one, you want to throw into those, let's, let's, um, you can throw that in PJ, but, um, number five would be if you were shooting for mediocrity, you nailed it. 
Um, if you have been around KC3 and you have worked on anything here with Pastor John um, and he asked you to do something on your own, chances are you have heard that phrase. Um, number four would be, and I'll let him kind of speak to this for just a second because um, I'm just going to leave it at this, but number four, Pastor John, is eat the cake. Well, I feel like you have a social responsibility when you go to a party, when they have a cake. Mm-hmm. You got to eat the cake, man. And how many how many opportunities to eat the cake you're going to get? Right. So when there's cake available, eat the eat cake it. because you don't want to look back and say, "Man, I had a chance at some cake, and I missed it." Just like anything else in life, man. Eat the cake while you're there at the party. Absolutely. Number three, coming in at number three, we have best looking pastor in Texas. Now, I I just got to know is that a was that a pastor Glenda deemed quote or was that a self-deemed quote i mean i anointed myself best looking pastor in texas obviously because i was and and uh, not anymore i'm old now but um so this was probably year 2005 or circa 1998 when they got the call yeah i'd say circa 2005 2006 somebody made me a plaque that said best looking pastor in texas and gave it to me Mm. and uh so i looked at that and i said you know they're not wrong (laughs) So I, I I ran with it and uh, hey if the shoe fits right. you at least got to put it on right share it with people don't withhold good news from people <laughs> absolutely that's that's what I felt like <clears throat> all right so number two is D W I to a lot of people that means something completely different but for Pastor John that means deal with it mm. yeah there's a lot of trouble in life and I don't care deal with it. <laughs> Uh, you just got to figure out what to do. I think some people listening today, and, and ourselves included, sometimes we just need to deal with it. We just I mean, need to deal with just it. Just move on and deal with it. Some things you can do things about, and some things you can't. Absolutely. All right, so number one, if you see therefore, find out what it's there for. I, mean, I feel like that's a pretty sound piece of advice. Reading the Word of God, you're going to cross the word therefore many times. And therefore is there for a reason. Absolutely. It's there for you to find out what is there for. And so just go search the word and find out why therefore is there and what it's for. And God will give you insight that maybe you never had. Amen. Well, I think that's a, a pretty good segue into, you know, if I, you know, thinking about um, the vision for KC3 for the year 2022 and in the beginning, um, you know, turning back to the Word of God, um, we definitely want people to focus on the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says. If you've got something going on in your life, um, read the Word and find out what it's there for. Find out what the situation that's going on in your life. Find out why um, it's there. But um, I just wanted to thank Pastor John for joining us. Um, this won't be the last time he's on with us. Um, we're excited to start this journey of, of podcasting, and uh, there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to bring and uh, to the congregation and uh, you know topics of discussion and a lot of things. We're going to have serious conversations. We're going to have lighthearted conversations, and so um, we're excited for you to join us today. Again, thank you, Pastor John. I appreciate you spending time with us today and uh, and so we're excited to celebrate 17 years uh, of ministry and uh, and to go into intensify um, 2022 and so um, pastor John if you want to just share a last statement with us we'll uh, we'll wrap this episode up I would encourage anyone that doesn't have a home church that the first time you come to KC3, uh, you're a guest the second time you're family. Amen. And uh, that's on our doors and our entryway. It's on our paperwork. And 
but if you have a home church, be responsible member of that church, just Amen. like KC3. Be Think bigger, go farther, do more. And uh, I look forward to intensify uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. We kind of combine that. And again, Sunday morning, celebrating 17 years. I hope folks are here for that. Come, enjoy, celebrate with us, and uh, we're going to see what God's going to do. And he always blesses us greatly in these meetings. Amen. So stay tuned for more episodes of our KC3 podcast, and we will catch you next time.